0: Do you enjoy our podcasts help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org you'll find some great merch there and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of another 12 ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's word, one verse at a time. Hello and welcome to episode 10 in our journey through the book of 1 Peter. This is part one of a two-part episode in which Peter is going to cover the topic of husbands and wives. Now, if you happen to not be a husband or a wife, don't just turn it off here. There is actually a lot of really wonderful truths for you in these passages, both if you may become a husband or a wife at some point in the future, but also in just the practical application of pursuing godliness. Remember that godliness is the primary concern that Peter is focused on here in this letter to his churches. He wants his churches to have a godly witness. He wants his churches to be focused on living lives of holiness. He wants them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and nourished by the spiritual food. And so in the progression of his letter, it is perfectly natural for him to address husbands and wives at this point because that is the foundation of the family. That is the foundation of society Without a strong family structure, society struggles. And why is that? Well, because the family unit is the unit that God created for the basis of human existence. If you go back to Genesis, we see that in the very beginning, God brought Eve to Adam to be his helpmeet or his wife, his equal, his partner. In living this life in serving God and from their union came children. And so this whole idea of the family, it's not human born. This is God born. This is something that God created and he created it for man's good. And the reason I decided to break this up into two parts is because it just seemed like Too big of a discussion for one episode. I really wanted to be able to focus on what Peter is saying here. There's some great stuff for both men and women in this passage, and it's important for us to take a solid look at it, to really understand what Peter's saying, why he's saying it, and what that means practically for believers in their everyday life. Now, of course, I know that right in the opening, we talk about this podcast being learning the truths from God's Word one verse at a time. But in this passage, a mere two sentences by Peter were broken up into four verses by those who put the verse numbers in Scripture to help us reference the material. And so really what we're doing here is, yes, we're covering four verses, but you need to think of it this way. We're covering two Sentences. We're covering two things that Peter had to say to the wives of the congregations of his churches, to the prospective wives, so to the younger women. But even beyond all that, his teaching here has really solid godly principles that are applicable to all God-fearing women who are part of the church. And so this applies to you no matter where you are in this journey, whether you are a wife right now, whether you may become a wife, whether you have been a wife and are now widowed or perhaps even if God has not called you to marriage, this verse applies to you because it has to do first and foremost with living righteously in a spirit-led way and being obedient servants of God. So let's jump in and see what Peter has to say. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see a respectful and pure conduct, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now there is so much here in this small, short, two-sentence passage that we could spend way more time than we have in this podcast to talk about it. But I want to bring out some of the highlights of what Peter is saying to the women in his congregation. First, he is saying, subject is voluntary. Subjected is involuntary. Peter is not advocating for men to rule the household with an iron fist and women to just be put underneath them. Peter is looking at marriage from a Genesis standpoint. Eve was created to be an equal with Adam. Don't forget that Eve was made by God in his image, just like her husband Adam was. And on that basis, Peter is encouraging the wives in his churches to take up the role that God created for them with joy. If they love God and desire to serve God with all their heart, then they should desire to serve God in every way, including the way in which God has created their role within marriage. But just like Peter knew the story of Adam and Eve from Genesis, he would have also known Genesis 3, which talked about what sin had done to this marriage relationship that God had created. That man would try to dominate woman and woman would try to usurp man's authority. And this was a great sin that God himself foretold in prophecy in Genesis 3. No longer would the partners that God had created to help one another and to carry one another and to be there for one another and to love one another work together for each other's good all the time. In fact, they would become enemies in many senses, fighting one another for power and position to the destruction of themselves and their relationships. And Peter understands that if this is the case in his church the example of the wives of his church will be lost because they will be living disobedient lives to God. And he does not want to see that. He wants to see all wives who are Christ followers live out a glorious example of Christ-likeness through their marriages. And so he encourages them to subject themselves to their husbands. And it's important to understand the difference here between subject and subjected. See, the world had recognized this structure, but it had twisted it. It had declared that women were subjected to men. In other words, that they were of less value and to be put under harsh rule. And that is sin. That is not God's plan at all for the marriage relationship. In the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, they were to be there to help one another, to aid one another, to bear one another up. They were to be a relationship where the two of them left their previous lives and clung together as one flesh, to be one person who faced the world together. Now within that relationship, God had created structure, and that structure is found in the scriptures, that men were responsible for governing their household, and that is their task in being obedient to God as husbands and fathers, and we're going to see that in the next part of this episode. But Peter has also just talked about following the example of Christ. And Christ portrays this example of subjecting himself to the Father beautifully. And his humility in subjecting himself to the will of his Father voluntarily is a beautiful example for wives to follow in submitting themselves to their husbands voluntarily as Peter is talking about here in this passage. And what is the main reason that Peter gives for this? Well, the main reason is that it will be a testimony to the world. See, because it will look very different from the world. He even goes so far as to say that women who have non-believing husbands may, through their obedient submission to their unbelieving husbands, win their husbands over to faith in Jesus Christ. See, this is all about setting an example of who God is and the work that Jesus has done in their lives as Christ followers to the world. And this was a radical departure from the way husbands and wives functioned in that day. In the ancient times when Peter was writing this, there were laws that required a wife to be subjected by her husband. There were laws that required women to take lower stations. This is not what Peter's talking about. And you're going to see that he's going to actually take a major deviation from societal beliefs when he starts talking to the husbands. But Peter's not saying husbands need to put down their wives. What he's saying to the wives is take on the humility of Christ and submit yourself, subject yourselves to your husband the way Christ submitted himself to God the Father. Even though Jesus was equal with God, even though Jesus had every claim to not submit himself, to not subject himself because he is God, he did it anyway. And he did it for love. He did it for his people, because in taking his part, he bought the salvation of his people, and he pleased God, and he has now been given an inheritance by God the Father and a name that is above every name. He's been rewarded for his humility, for his submission, and for his obedience, even though he is equal with God because he is God. And the fact that Peter is talking about a voluntary submission on the part of wives is borne out by this encouragement that he gives to wives, to submit themselves even to an unbelieving husband. In other words, Peter's saying, look, godly women, godly wives, if you want to obey God in your marriage, in taking up the role that he has made for you, your submission to your husband cannot be based on the disposition of his heart or the content of his behavior. Your submission to your husband is a worshipful and obedient thing that you are doing before God. It's not based on how good of a husband you have or what kind of man he is or what he believes. It's something that you do before the Lord. You humbly fulfill your role as an act of obedience to your Savior. And this is not an easy concept. This is a difficult concept because we as humans don't want to respect people unless we feel that they've earned it. We don't want to look up to people unless we feel that they've earned it. But Peter is taking the focus off the husband. He's not saying to wives, you need to submit to your husband because your husband is so awesome, or you need to submit to your husband because men are just stronger than women, or men are better than women, or any of these lies that are the twisted beliefs of a fallen world. He's saying to women, as far as God created you, you are equal before him. Men and women stand before God as his beloved creation. But because your Father in heaven has created this role for you, you are to submit to your husband willingly and joyfully as an act of worship and obedience to the God who loves you and who has purchased you to be his child. And how do we know this is what Peter is saying? Well, because of a little word that starts off the whole passage. And that word is, likewise. And what comes right before this passage? Peter talking about the work of Jesus, giving himself up for the salvation of the world. So just like Jesus lived, so husbands and wives must live. And that is what frames out Peter's instructions to husband and wives. And then Peter, as he so often does, goes on a little teaching tangent. He has this statement here that seems a little bit out of the blue, when he says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing that you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, is Peter saying that dressing well is a sin, or that anytime you do your hair, it's a sin? No, of course not. That's not what he's saying at all. Peter is simply directing the attention of the wives in his church, and the wives that would read his letter for thousands of years to come as scripture, he's redirecting their focus to things that are eternal from things that are temporal. He's telling them, look, focus your heart, focus your efforts on the things that last. He's not saying you can't make yourself look pretty or you can't put on nice clothes or you can't wear jewelry or you can't brush your hair. That's not what he's saying at all. In fact, as we read through the Old Testament, we read about a lot of godly women who were also blessed with great beauty, and we read stories about how God put them in positions where God used their physical beauty to accomplish his purposes. But like anyone would compare two things of varying worth, Peter is pointing to the more valuable. Peter is saying, as wives who love God and women who love God, you need to focus on that which is eternal. And that is the inner beauty. That is the hidden person, the spiritual self that God has put within you. We go back to that original passage in the second chapter where he talks about taking the spiritual milk, feeding the spiritual person so that you will grow in your salvation. Well, he's talking about it again. He's saying, look, the real beauty of a woman lies within the spirit in her heart that God has given her. It lies within the true person that she is that will never die. He's talking about eternity here. He's talking about women focusing on the beauty that will never die and will never fade and will live in eternity with Christ in heaven. And he ends this encouragement to women to focus on the inner beauty, the beauty of their spirit, with an incredible statement it loses a lot when you translate it into English, but I want to just go through it briefly here and show you the immense depth of what Peter says here. In talking about nurturing the beauty of the hidden person, the spiritual part, he finishes by saying, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, in the English language, we have many words for value. We could say something is precious, we could say something is expensive, we could say something is valuable, rare, unique, of great worth, and just like the English language, Greek also had many different words to describe worth. But this particular word is very significant, because it was a word that was used by Jesus when he was telling parables back in the book of Matthew, and he used this word precious to describe the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he was telling this story, this parable story about a man who sells all that he has to buy a pearl of great worth, a pearl that is precious. And he says, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like this priceless pearl That you would give up everything you have just to own this because the value of this thing is so immense that everything else in the world pales in comparison to it. Once you see it, you must have it. You must possess it. It's going to make you crazy if you can't own it. And that is the same word here he uses for a woman who nourishes the beauty of her eternal spirit. It is precious. For many years, I worked in the gem and jewelry trade, and I have seen many precious stones. I've seen pearls so large, it's amazing to think that they could have possibly been made by an oyster. You wonder how big that oyster must have been. I've seen diamonds that were worth more than 10 houses on a neighborhood street. I've gotten to see every kind of color you can imagine, all kinds of cuts, every unbelievable mineral and rock that comes out of the earth. And they are all beautiful but I have never seen any rock or gem that has driven me with such a passion that I had to sell everything that I had to own it. I've never seen anything that could motivate me to make that kind of sacrifice simply for a gemstone. But this is how valuable God sees the spiritual person of a woman who focuses her entire heart on serving God and nurturing the beauty of her hidden person. This is a precious thing to God. For those of you who have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are God's daughters. You are the sisters of Jesus Christ. You have been adopted into his family. And so when you focus on nourishing your eternal person, when you focus on building your eternal beauty through communion with God, through obedience and worship to God... This is so precious that the scriptures describe it with the same word that Jesus uses to describe the worth of the kingdom of heaven. For all you ladies out there, that should be a resounding encouragement and challenge from the scriptures. Nourish the beauty of your hidden person, the spirit that God has given you that will live for eternity, that will be present with the Lord forever and ever. And why should you do that? Because it is very precious in his sight. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another 12 Ministries and the work that we are doing to train ministry leaders to bring the gospel to all people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.